Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from September 3rd, 1983, taped on August 31st, 1983, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last. My pleasure to be with you once again. And the man who's with me every week, People are now calling him after last week's show, Mr. New Orleans, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? Well, thank you very much, great Brian Lass. I appreciate you uh, welcoming, me, welcoming me into this week's episode. Uh, I'm doing good. Looking forward to an episode where this week we have Jim Ross and the Cowboy at the table uh, and Boyd Pierce doing some ring announcing. That's a, that's a little change of pace for us. I don't know if we've seen this before, this, this trio. So uh, this, should be, this should be interesting and this should be fun. It is a little different. They tell us during the opening match that Boyd is filling in this week for Reeser. I guess Reeser may be on one of his vacations. And we get Jim Ross and Bill Watts. A very interesting combination. There's a funny moment at the end of the show that we'll play later on. But let's go to the show open. Cowboy Bill Watts and Jim Ross. And they're going to send us right to an interview with the Cowboy and General Skandar Akbar all about Max, the missing link. Wrestling right here, and I'll tell you, it's going to be another great, great hour of wrestling action. I'm Jim Ross, and I'll be your host for this hour of wrestling. Of course, the, the man to my left is no stranger to you wrestling fans, Cowboy Bill Watson. And Bill uh, Grizzly Smith has put together another tremendous wrestling card, and there's some names on here, some international stars, and I know that you're anxious to tell the people about some of the things that will be happening this hour. Well, we have the Road Warriors, international tag team champions from Atlanta, Georgia. They'll be against Hacksaw Dugan and Magnum TA, the Mid-South tag champions. This will be a non-title bout. Also, Mad Dog... Buzz Sawyer's here, the Junkyard Dog, Ted DiBiase, King Kong Bundy, Crusher Darso, and a lot of others. You know, though, Jim, a couple of weeks ago, Akbar kind of, kind of pricked my curiosity a little bit in that he was talking about the missing link being Max and being emotionally and mentally stable. And, and, but he said that's the only name you need to know. There's something vaguely haunting about Max. It's almost like I, I know the guy except the... It, it doesn't all fit. I don't know what it is. But I, I interviewed Skandar Akbar earlier today and put the question to him. Let's hear his answer. You know, two weeks ago here on Mid-South Wrestling, you revealed something about the man called the missing link, that he was not the missing link and that you took exception to anybody referring to him as such because that seemed to say that he was mentally unstable or something and that his name was Max. Do you care to uh, give us any further information? Well, that's all you, Bill Watts. Mid-South needs to know Max. And I do resent the fact that you people continually believe this man is mentally unbalanced. Couldn't it be, couldn't it be that this man is a super athlete, perhaps when you were North American champion, Bill Watts, that beat you? You just don't recognize exactly who the man is. He could be from some foreign country, but this man is not insane. He is as sane as you people watching television at this moment. Well, there it is, Mike. Once again, the reiteration that his name is Max. What? what? What do you think about this? I, I, you you actually, the light bulb went off for me last week when you said, you know, you think there was just this infatuation with the, with Mad Max, you know, given that the Roll Warriors are going to be here this week. And just, I, I think that's the only plausible explanation for this whole thing about Link being named Max, because it doesn't, like, it's it's an irrelevant point. Nobody is wondering what his real name is. I mean, do we wonder about what anybody's real name is at this point in 83? Like, I, I'm, 
I mean, we knew that this guy, you know, we knew that he wasn't born named the missing link. Like, I, I think we all understood that that was not on his birth certificate. But I don't know if any of us as fans like sat there and worried about what is missing Link's real name. And they just I mean, I, I lost count how many times right there they drove home the point that his name was Max. Like they kept saying it. It, it just they wanted us to just realize that his name was Max. I mean, they couldn't have repeated it any more times right there. I also just, I don't even know if I care that, well, actually, I do care that I think. I was going to say, I don't know if I care if he was in an insane asylum or not. I don't know if it matters. But, you know, Akbar is like, no, nothing's wrong with him. He's perfectly fine. Well, I mean, it's okay for a heel like Akbar to lie because he's not perfectly fine. Look at him. He's got this stupid looking hairdo, weird looking gimmick going on in his head. And he acts really wild and crazy in the ring and he does his headbutt and he holds his the, the back patch of his hair as he headbutts his opponents. He's not normal, but I guess it's okay for Akbar to lie and say, oh, he's, he is perfectly normal. But the whole Max thing, Brian, is out of control. You were laughing as you threw it to me. What did you have? Well, just it just seems like such a weird thing to constantly focus on. I mean, there's kind of they're kind of alluding to the idea that Bill Watts may know who the guy is. Maybe it was someone who was there in the past. I believe Dewey Robertson did work there years earlier. So, I mean, in that sense, it's true. Maybe they're trying not to insult the intelligence of any longtime fans. But, you know, Mid-South Wrestling, when he's debuted, they just said he's the missing link. It's not like they named him. He showed up, he was the missing link, but now we're supposed to call him Matt. I don't know. This is all weird. We'll see how it plays out. We get our first match. Everything was airtight, brother. Missing link versus Tim Horner. Johnny Martinez. The referee, it is during this match that Watts says that Boyd is filling in for Reeser. The missing link defeats Horner with a headbutt to Horner's kidneys. Once again, Horner working his way out of the territory. Any thoughts or notes about this match? Did you see that spot where Tim Horner goes after Link and he catches himself on the top rope? My God, what a punk. <laughs> That's right. Like, we, we give Horner a hard time. I mean, we've said some things. But let me tell you, man, Tim Horner, when it came to selling, he sold his tail off, man. Tim is damn good in the ring. And, I mean, he sells his throat getting caught on that cable really well. And the way he slingshots off of it, you know, credit Tim Horner here for, once again, making someone look like a million bucks. He made Link look great. We can say whatever we want about Tim Horner, I guess the person, or Tim Horner as a promo. But in the ring, he's a great worker, especially at this point in time, early in his career. Yes. We get our next match. This is a pretty interesting one. The international tag team champions, the Road Warriors of Georgia TV versus the Mid-South Wrestling tag team champions, Magnum TA and Hacksaw Duggan, Rick Ferreira, the referee, non-title match. Neither of the championships is on the line. Let's play some audio of this match. We'll talk about it on the other side. This is the first time we've ever seen the Road Warriors on Mid-South TV. Mere months after they first started in Georgia. Let's go to this. Well, Boy Pierce barely got out of the ring, and we've got quite a collision right there. What a tremendous match. Perhaps the first time on national television where two championship tag teams go head-to-head. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Magnum T, of course, the Mid-South Tag Team Champions, and Bill, the Road Warriors, the International Tag Team Champions, and gosh, what a confrontation this should be right here in Mid-South Wrestling. That's right, a non-title event. And, of course, they mocked Hacksaw Dugan as he came in and did his patented stomp. These two young men who show no respect 
for anything. They tear down any institutionalized form. They're almost like a reincarnation of the worst of the Hells Angels and the worst of Charles Manson's Helter Skelter. They mocked Hacksaw Dugan. They've been saying a lot of remarks on Atlanta and on national TV about Hacksaw Dugan and how he's a hippie and that he hasn't got any guts and any courage. So I know Dugan is fired up for this, and that's the hawk out there, the one with the two mohawk type, each one colored a different color, a weird individual. The big one over there is the animal. As Magnum TA comes in, this should be a, a real war. These men are powerhouses. They don't show a tremendous knowledge of wrestling skill, but their intestinal toughness and their bully streak is certainly intact. There's the animal coming in, the one that calls himself the animal, and he takes over on Magnum TA, knee lift. Both of men, are, the road warriors are tremendously strong, tremendously uh, just in great, great condition. And well, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, when they beat up and fired their own manager, Precious Paul Ellering. They stripped him, tore his clothes off of him, and threw him out and said, nobody manages us. We handle our own stuff. So these guys, like I say, they don't have respect for anything, even their own kind. And that, the animal, animal goes for that, that uh, flying tackle in the corner, and Magnum T.A. very alertly moves out of the way. Here comes Dugan. Well, they'll meet a one-man gang fight right there when they got Hacksaw Dugan. But there's two of them, and they're rough and rugged. And they're doubled up on, the, on, on Dugan, and, of course, Rick Ferrar. Oh, good gosh, they decapitated Hacksaw Dugan, it looks like, with that double clothesline. And it's just an all-out war. Rick Ferrar hadn't got a chance of maintaining order out there. The both of them are doubling up now on Magnum TA, and they've leveled him, and it looks like the international tag champions, the Road Warriors, are coming in and taking Mid-South's champions and just walking on them right now. But the crowd is behind Hacksaw Dugan, and we've seen him in a lot of situations. And one thing Jim Dugan doesn't know is the word quip, and he doesn't care what happens to his own body. He has, oh, did you just see that? The Hawk just ran Magnum T.A. into the iron post. He's got some real tactician in him because now that leaves the two of them on one. Both of them are on Hacksaw Dugan. This is totally out of control here. They went for that big double clothesline, but Dugan, Dugan clotheslines both of them. Dugan spears the Hawk. The Hawk is out on the floor. The Hawk is out on the concrete floor. Now it's Dugan and the animal. Dugan and the animal in the middle of the ring. And Bill, this, is, this match has been everything it's been built up to be. Dugan setting for the spear to finish off the animal. But Dugan better watch it. The the Hawk is getting ready to come off the top. And the Hawk came off the top, but Dugan moved. Rick Ferrar calling for the DQ. However, that's a judgment call and nobody landed on anybody. But I think it's well out of control and Ferrar's within his grounds of calling for the disqualification. This is just a brawl, ladies and gentlemen. Four tough men in there wanting just to prove who's the better man. You see Magnum TA coming back to the aid after being run into that post. He's mad hurt the, the Referee giving the disqualification victory to Magnum T.A. and Hacksaw Dugan. Magnum T.A. and Hacksaw Dugan, the winners of this match against the Road Warriors by disqualification. And we'll be back with more exciting wrestling action after this word from Mid-South Television Network. Well, there it is, a wild match between the Road Warriors, clearly still learning their way in the ring. Very impressive looking, but not as polished as they would be a few years later. And Hacksaw Duggan and Magnum TA, the Road Warriors, bumping a little more than they would in a couple of years. But this is a lot of fun, a lot of action. The fans really into it. What are your thoughts, Mike? 
I thought this was, I'll say, booked well by Watts. And I'm sure the Road Warriors had, you know, some say in this or everybody involved may have. They, you, you knew that one team, you knew as you watched this, one team wasn't going to pin the other. I mean, it's just, you're, you got one as the international tag champs. You got the other Mid-South tag champs. You know, Watts isn't bringing these guys in to pin his champs, especially on television, because good Lord, that does nothing but, you know, defeat his titles and make his tag titles meaningless. And we've already, you and I have had a discussion about how the tag titles were minimized during this time. I mean, they just were, they just kind of in the background and you had a, you didn't have a lot of consistency with them and it wasn't a, it wasn't, they weren't doing anything major with them, but this was good. I mean, even the finish, like, I mean, you heard the audio there, but to, to give you a visual of the finish, Duggan hits animal with the spear and Duggan he's gonna win like he's gonna win the match because he hit him with his finisher most of the time in mid-south or in the old days when you had a guy with your finisher they were out there wasn't this you know you never did 30 false finishes in a match because of uh, with your finisher now now modern wrestling of course but not back then maybe they would kick out once if it was a big match but you ain't kicking out more than once so Duggan looks like he's about to win for he and his team but Hawk who had just took a spill to the outside He's up on the top rope as Duggan goes for the pin attempt, and he comes down to do a splash on Duggan. And even though he didn't hit Duggan and he hit his own partner with the splash, Bill Watts did a great job of explaining Ricky Ferrar making the call, a judgment call, and saying, oh, nope, you came off the top rope. And as we know, in Mid-South, unless your name is Mil Mascaris, uh, where you leap and not jump off the top rope, you're DQ'd. So there was that. Uh, you get the DQ right there, and Duggan and T.A. win which is the right thing to do, although it wasn't via pinfall, it was via DQ. So I thought, and just overall, I mean, we heard a nice soundbite there uh, overall. It just was very, very descriptive, good stuff. Uh, if you got the network, uh, go back and watch it, because again, this is this is the World War's first time here. Another thing uh, I'll say, Brian, before I throw it to you and see what you thought, I'm almost 100% certain, because I had no access to anywhere else the World Warriors were at during this time that this would have been the first time that I would have ever seen the Royal Awards on television. Not in a magazine, but on television. And I, I was impressed as a young kid seeing these uh, guys with the painted faces. And then, of course, Hawk's got the mohawk down the middle. I'm sorry, Animal's got the mohawk down the middle, and Hawk's got the two going down the side to, like, if it were a puzzle, you could put them together and they would merge. Anyway, this was good stuff. I really enjoyed this match. Once again, between them and The Missing Link, we have... Multiple references to the Mad Max movies, the Road Warrior movie, actually. Yeah. And Lord Humongous hasn't even arrived yet. So there it is. The Road Warriors, their debut on Mid-South TV. Of course, Bill Watts had a part to play in them becoming the Road Warriors in Georgia. This episode really shows the relationship between the Georgia office under Ole Anderson and the relationship between Georgia and Mid-South. Mid-South, of course, being run by Bill Watts, who sold Ole his stock in Georgia. Coming out of this, we have something that is not on the WWE Network. We're not exactly sure why. We have various theses we can give, but it's not on the network. This is from Mid-South. We'll play the audio. You hear the setup. But it is Junkyard Dog visiting a child in the hospital. Mike, any thoughts or notes before you play this? And then you can play it whenever you want. No, let's go to that audio right now. I think it's by unanimous opinion that the man who is the top wrestling superstar in the world today is the junkyard dog and we've watched him develop here on mid-south where he came through here after playing football for the green bay packers was green had a great heart but had to learn he went to canada he went to germany he learned his trade like he said he got beat 57 straight times but then he emerged as a man who could go through it all a big tough stallion that could handle all opponents 
But the one thing is, I think is so great, when you see a man become a superstar, he oftentimes loses his focus or his identity or forgets what made him. This man, this people's champion, never forgets that. And he helps young and old, white, black, green, it doesn't make any difference. There was a youngster, Travis Mathern, who was badly burned, second and third degree burns over his whole body. He's been in the hospital over a month. Ed Martin of WWL Television in New Orleans contacted us and asked if the Junkyard Dog, this is a kid that wanted to see his hero, the Junkyard Dog, if he would have the time to come visit him. And I want you to know the Junkyard Dog's schedule is probably the busiest in the world today. But he took the time. Ed Martin, WWL Television, were there to record it. Let's see what a great heart this man has, and then we'll go to the ring and watch him in action. When we walked into Travis's room with the TV cameras rolling, it was a jolt for the young man. We had learned earlier that his hero was nationally known championship wrestler, the Junkyard Dog. When the dog's in the ring, something has to give, and it's usually his opponent. Watch. Our dog is on the offensive, and he's taking it to Big Mike McGee. The big thump, the junkyard dog with that big thump, and it looks like he's going to make short work of Mike McGee right here on this. Knowing the junkyard dog was Travis's hero, and we couldn't bring the young man to Dallas, Texas, to see him wrestle, we did the next best thing. Who is this? Huh? You know who this is? Who is that, Jeff? Junkyard dog. JYD, as his friends call him, has some special reasons for taking time out to visit children and those stricken by misfortune. I feel very lucky. You know, I got a little girl. I, was, I lost a son about five years ago, and I figured I'll have him bad luck at that time. I got a daughter. I'm very fortunate to have that daughter, and I don't have much when I was going for life, and I figured the Lord has blessed me by the things he's done to me, and I've been having a real good luck here to lose all it takes him just about everywhere all over the world. So I figured if I got a chance to do something good for somebody, I'd get a favor in return. It's a day this young man won't soon forget. This is a mighty big day in Travis Mathurin's life. The young man honestly feels his luck has changed. And that is good news. I'm Ed Martin for Channel 4, Eyewitness News. Well, there it is, the junkyard dog visiting a child in the hospital who's wearing a junkyard dog hat that I wish I had. What are your thoughts about this, Mike? Man, we should scour eBay to see if we can find that. I have... Uh, yeah, that would be a nice little hat to have in a collection for sure. I mean, I wouldn't wear it. It would just hang on a wall, but you know, it still would be nice. Uh, you know, uh, for everyone out there who doesn't know, WWL Channel 4 is uh, the, I guess, I think it's still CBS, but back then it was uh, certainly the CBS uh, station for New Orleans. And there ends up being a time where I think it's in 86 when UWF starts and goes from Mid-South to UWF. Mid-South was on WGNO 26 at 5 p.m. Central Time, and they end up going at one point to WWL-TV at 10.30, 10.35. So um, WWL ends up having a relationship with uh, Watts through through the television at some point. I can't remember exactly when they go to WWL, but I remember they certainly did did do so. But anyway, so Ed Martin, is, is, is uh, he's the host there uh, for, the, for that particular segment. But, you know, JYD, they're... They're making him human right here. I mean, he, I don't say making him because I can't remember if we already knew this, but, you know, he talks about losing his son and how important it is to visit with the kids that are his fans. And I would say for a guy who's um, your top baby face, or even if you want to say the number two baby face in the territory right now, because I think Duggan's got a stake in some of this claim too, 
I think it's important to show that human side of JYD and that empathetic side of JYD as he vi- visits kids who are who are less fortunate or who've had some type of tragedy in their life. So I thought a well-placed segment in this week's uh, episode. Uh, also, I see how Watts right there definitely was laying off of JYD being fat and, you know, laying out on his laurels. Yeah, it was not the time to bring it up. That's for sure. Yeah, right, right. That, I should say it like that. I don't. <laughs> You know, as you say that, we chuckle, but you're absolutely correct there, Brian. We get our next match, the Junkyard Dog versus Boris Zerkoff, Randy Pee-wee Anderson, the referee, JYD's bag man. Let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts on the Junkyard Dog. Well, this is the man of the hour, the man that everybody's been waiting for, Jim Ross, the Junkyard Dog. If you saw what a light he brought into that youngster's eyes that was facing those tremendous series of operations for skin burn and the grafting and everything that goes on, one of the most painful and slowest types of healing there is, and yet he took his time to spend it because he said, these are the people that have backed me all the way. This is a man that the governor of Louisiana's office made an honorary colonel, that the mayor of New Orleans gave the keys to the city as he took out time to talk to the kids about the problems with drugs at the San G Teen Club, where he was elected by all those teenagers, even above Michael Spinks even above the New Orleans Saints, as a man they most like to hear come to be their guest at that big attraction in the Rivergate. And as you see why, he's imitated all over the country. A lot of people have started taking the name of the dog. Even one mad dog, Buzz Sawyer in Atlanta, thinks he can usurp the dog's popularity and status. But he didn't get it because of the name. He got it because you see 300 pounds of iron out there, of steel, of desire, of heart. You can't deny that man that's a champion. We all watched him go through the adversity with the Freebirds and run them out of Mid-South. He's triumphed over everybody. And he's against Boris Zirkov of Russia. And the junkyard dog is one proud man, proud of his heritage, proud of his junkyard, his dog yard, as he calls it. And right now, the junkyard dog's yard is that squared circle out there. Were they here at Mike, Bill Watts really putting over the dog strong here. Yeah, he puts him over. I mean, we've already seen, you know, I won't reiterate what Watts says about him being a humanitarian, but I mean, we've seen, God, this has got to be the third or fourth segment of him doing, you know, something with whether it be the community or visiting a school or whatnot. So, I mean, you know, Dog definitely did a lot of that in terms of Mid-South Wrestling. And maybe there are others who did similar stuff, but they haven't aired it uh, on the show. So, I mean, he puts over Dog there. I also found it interesting, you know, again, he, he didn't say anything bad about Dog, you know, resting on his laurels again, you know, like like he did uh, a while back. Um, but he also, you know, talks about everybody trying to take the name, the Mad Dog and all that stuff. So and people trying to duplicate Dog, but no one can duplicate him. Uh, he cannot be, you know, they can only imitate. They can't duplicate him. I thought that was very interesting as we're, you know, getting ready to to see Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer coming up soon. The Junkyard Dog defeats Boris Zerkov with the thump. And just like you just alluded to, we come out of that match, go back to the desk to set up a promo video out of Georgia of precious Paul Ellering, who we've not heard on Mid-South TV in quite a while. Lovely ladies! And he is narrating a video of Buzz Sawyer talking about the Junkyard Dog. We'll play this. We'll talk about it on the other side. Without a doubt, there's a tough young athlete running around Atlanta called the Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, and he says he's the only dog in town. Well, he's here today on Mid-South Wrestling, and Pessis Paul Ellering sent us a film clip of Buzz Sawyer's workout 
as he steams himself up and tries to get ready for the junkyard dog because everybody wants a shot at the dog. Let's watch now from Atlanta, Buzz Sawyer. Look into the eyes of the mad dog. The training of the mad dog for the one and only junkyard dog. Junkyard dog, look at the mad dog. No, he's not pretty, but junkyard dog, he backs up from no man. No man on God's green earth, least of all, another dog. Look at the mad dog, back with his own kind. He feels so at home, junkyard dog. He dreams of you at night, and he howls and he screams. He says there's only one dog, and it's me. No, junkyard dog. Look at him, he's been training for hours. Look into the eyes of the mad dog. Look into his eyes, junkyard dog and see what real fear is. <laughs> there can only be one dog, and it's the Mad Dog. Well, there it is, Mike. Quite the video here. Paul Ellering narrating this training video of, I don't know, training video may not be the right word, but it's a training video, apparently, of Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Some of his training includes eating raw meat with dogs, fighting off a dog who is bit one of those things you put on your arm so a guard dog can train and, <laughs> and attack you. At one point, I don't even know how to describe this. He has a chain around his neck, and then he puts the chain around a tree and starts pulling it. I'm not exactly sure what kind of workout that is. What are your thoughts about this extraordinary video of Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer behaving like a dog? I, I I didn't get the chain around the neck and then around the tree. <laughs> right, what off. was that? What was he doing? I don't know what the piss that was. <laughs> Pardon my French. I don't... Everything else seemed, like, kind of logical. I mean, he's beating a group of cinder blocks with a chain. I mean, and, you know, just showing some strength there, like, with, with like, hammering down on the blocks, and the blocks are exploding. Him eating the raw meat was disgusting, but, you know, whatever floats your boat. I, I, you know, I guess it showed how crazy he was with the dogs. Um, They show him, you know, the dog attacking him with his arm as his arms got that, you know, dog padding thing where how they train attack dogs. Everything kind of made sense showing him as this kind of mad dog, except for that damn chain around the tree around his neck that he's pulling on. I, I, I didn't know what that was. One other thing. You know, we went from precious Paul Ellering, can you dig it, Reeser? Foot long? And Reeser going, I can, to <laughs> Ellering voicing over the mad dog here. This was, this was very, very entertaining. Let me say it like that. He's come a long way since Pac-Man fever. Yes. <laughs> and doing pull-ups on the pipe in a basement of the Irish McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with that kid hanging off his ass. I forgot about that. <laughs> With the kid <laughs> face smashed into his ass. Uh, well, there it is, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, who's in our next match. It is the Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer versus Johnny Rich, who has been very impressive at Mid-South Wrestling, I have to say. Let's get some audio. We have a couple of audio clips here. Let's hear the opening of the match. Cowboy Bill Watts, a Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. So it'll be Johnny Rich against the mad dog, Buzz Sawyer, the man that says that he's the only dog in all of professional wrestling. And 
course, the junkyard dog and all the fans here at Mid-South have something to say about that, but he has to be. Can't take anything away from the man. One of the toughest, most physical athletes in all of professional wrestling. Johnny Rich will find that out. He's finding it out right now. Well, he's a buzzsaw. He just goes out and attacks. He only knows one thing. Let's go 100% full bore and go after it. Johnny Rich, though, a great youngster. And he's got a lot of personal incentive because Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer has been in a tremendous feud in Atlanta, Georgia with his cousin, Tommy Rich. And I'm sure Johnny wants to uphold the family name down here, and he's really punishing and pounding him. By the way, we hope to have Hacksaw Butch Reed, the North American champion, back next week. He's in some contract disputes with Grizzly Smith. Claims there's not enough competition on Mid-South Wrestling now that he's beat the Junkyard Dog so bad, and he's beat Hacksaw Butch excuse me, Hacksaw Dugan, that he's beat Mr. Wrestling 2, that he's beat Magnum TA, that until Grizzly Smith gets a competition worthy of him, he shouldn't appear here on television for all the people at home. He says that the only person probably that could maybe give him some competition is Andre the Giant. So, ladies and gentlemen, all I can say is you can see how sometimes success rapidly goes to one's head. And here's a man out here who's a tough, tough guy, but he's in against a tough guy, and he's against Johnny Rich who has, like I say, a personal family score to settle with Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. What a great day with all the tremendous talent here on Mid-South Wrestling. This is what makes Mid-South the number one wrestling television show in the world today. Well, there we hear it. Bill Watts putting over Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Buzz Sawyer really laying it in to Johnny Rich. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I legitimately thought this dude was crazy, man, when I was a kid. Uh, well, maybe he was crazy. <laughs> the stories about him. He is laying it in. And, uh, you know, I, I, Bill Watts, once again, you know, he mentions a feud Sawyer and Tommy Rich had been involved in. And Johnny Rich here is trying to uphold the family name. I like that from Watts. I like Watts bringing that up. And, you know, it also puts over uh, that, you know, if, if Buzz Sawyer is going to be in a feud with Tommy Rich, he must be uh, a competitor and a name here. Uh, I mean, we've seen Buzz, you know, he was at the last uh, Superdome show. So, I mean, we, it's not like this is the first time we've seen him. But, you know, I, I just kind of like Watts' commentary there, putting it all over. And then, you know, Watts makes mention of Butch Reed and Reed not being here because of the lack of competition. I like the, again, that's the cocky Reed that we've just started to see. And Watts mentions it there on commentary. Let's hear some more audio from this match. Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer versus Johnny Rich. Johnny Rich with that armbar, and I'm, I'm very impressed with his, with his tactics. He has not backed up from Buzz Sawyer whatsoever. Buzz Sawyer's a battering type, though. Look at that, the way he attacks. What a forearm. He really leveled Johnny Rich. That's what you got to watch about Buzz Sawyer. He is just, he's a tough guy. He's a brawler. He's a hacksaw duggan. He's just one of those guys that don't care anything about his own personal safety, have no regard for his own body. He doesn't care how bad he gets hurt. It's just, he's kind of like Rocky Marciano. You remember Marciano? He'd take a... He'd take as many shots as you could dish out right to the chin, to the face, anywhere, to get in and be able to deliver his clubbing, brutal blows as he wore his opponents down and then knocked them cold. Well, Buzz Sawyer, Hacksaw Dugan is the same type of individuals. And, of course, the junkyard dog, that's the man that Buzz Sawyer and everybody in the world wants to take a piece of because when you go against a dog, the first thing you're going to get is everybody in the world is going to know it because he's the man of the hour. You're going to make the big dollars because you can get that kind of money. It's like a Thomas Hearns or was hoping for a fight with Sugar Ray Leonard. They're all hoping for a fight with a junkyard dog. That makes the dog's life a tough life. Good drop kick, tremendous drop kick. This Johnny Ritz really impresses me. 
Jim, he's not, he's not afraid, he's not intimidated, he's going for it, but he caught one low in the breadbasket then. Standing Salto. Ball away, full body. Well, there we hear it more from the match. Cowboy Bill Watts talking about Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. It's a good match. I mean, Buzz Sawyer, he had a lot of personal issues, and he certainly was legitimately crazy in real life, but he is great to watch in the ring. He really is, and Watts' commentary just enhances everything you see. Uh, it was a good match. I mean, th- there was a heck of a dropkick by Johnny Rich right there, but they just had a they had a good competitive match. Buzz Sawyer, though, is just wild. And, you know, when Watts says, you know, he take a licking, but he keeps on you know, ticking, I mean, that's um, that's pretty damn true when it came to Buzz Sawyer in the ring. I mean, he is wild and aggressive, and I just thought this, there was some just, again, just putting over uh, Buzz Sawyer here it, it, as effectively as possible. And then, you know, I'm sure you were going to get to it, but oh my God, when he hits Johnny Rich with that power slam, it looks impressive. Well, that is how Buzz Sawyer wins the match, pins Johnny Rich after a power slam. He always had the best power slam. A lot of guys to this day try to copy the Buzz Sawyer power slam, but he wins the match with that. Coming out of that, Mike, we get a recap of last week. Hacksaw Duggan catching the object from Ted DiBiase, who was throwing it to Skandar Akbar, and slugging DiBiase with it, leading into this promo from Ted DiBiase. Well, to say that Ted DiBiase's been upset is an understatement. I mean, he's just been champing the bit. As he cornered us today and made an interview, and he's issued a challenge. And it's a challenge that's loaded with a lot of problems, because DiBiase, when he makes a challenge, he generally has a game plan. And we've seen that he's cost a lot of people their job here in Mid-South by putting it down to the fact that the loser of the fall has to leave town. But let's hear it right from Ted DiBiase as he issues this challenge to Hacksaw Dugan. All you people out there know that Ted DiBiase has been the big cheese, the main man in Mid-South wrestling for over two years. And this thing with Hacksaw Duggan and I has come to a boil. I've had it right up to here with you, Duggan. All these cheap victories that you're claiming over me, claiming over me. Outside interference, what happened here last week on television was the icing on the cake, Duggan. I want to settle this thing once and for all. You've you've interfered with my, my lifestyle, everything I do. You've interfered with my pocketbook, Duggan. Right here on television. It's you or me. I want it here right here next week. And if I don't beat you, Duggan, I'll pack my bag and I'll leave Mid-South. Well, needless to say, Grizzly Smith wouldn't be the great matchmaker he is today if he wouldn't jump on a deal like that. And he confronted Hacksaw Dugan and DBIC with the contracts. The contracts are signed and sealed. Next week, right here on Mid-South Wrestling, one fall, no disqualification. And DBIC has publicly said and so stated, that if he doesn't beat Dugan, he'll pack and leave. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be war here on Mid-South next week. Now let's go to a man that has picked on Steve Dr. Death a lot verbally, but has been unable to handle him physically in the ring to Boyd Pierce as King Kong Bundy and Art Cruz get ready to match up. Well, there we hear it. Suddenly, really when you think about it, Ted DiBiase challenging Duggan to a match where if he loses, DiBiase, if DiBiase loses, he has to leave town. Not a loser-leaves-town match. Whoever loses has to leave town. But just if DiBiase can't beat him, he will leave town. I say sudden. I mean, this came up just pretty quickly, this stipulation. What do you think, Mike? 
It, it certainly did. I mean, it comes out of almost nowhere. I mean, these guys have been going at it for some time, but it does feel like the stipulation just was born out of nowhere. But, you know, I, I love DiBiase here. He He's such a slimy heel. Arrogance. Just, just when he says, you know, here you were last week with the outside interference, it, it's so convenient for him to bring that up because he didn't benefit from the outside interference when it was him who planted the seed of the outside interference because he's the one that had the gimmick that gave it to Akbar before the match started. So it's like, dude, you are the, I hate you so much because you conveniently forget that <laughs> it's your gimmick that pre precipitated, uh, you know, or, or made Duggan come out and interfere. So, like, it's just amazing when you think about DiBiase from that standpoint. And you're right, the, the stipulation, <laughs> wow, that came out of nowhere. Every time we talk about DiBiase, you revert back to that child watching Mid-South Wrestling on TV. I, it's, you know, this is, that's the thing where, like, I, I say it all the time on this show. It's the thing where you, okay, so Brian and I, I've said this a million times, I'll say it again if you're a new listener. Brian and I review these shows as now you know, grown up and older men who are going back and watching something that we watched as kids. Brian was a little older than me when he saw this, when he got the tapes. But for me, you know, I'm just a young kid. I mean, right now I'm like eight years old watching this. So I always revert back to it because I can just remember like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You know, he, he got involved in it. It's, it was your fault. You planted the seed of the involvement. You were the one trying to cheat, but because it didn't benefit you, and he turned the tables on your cheating. And yeah, Duggan did a little cheating there, but it was your gimmick that he used. He just used your own medicine against you. So you're absolutely right in laughing right there. <laughs> well, we get our next match. King Kong Bundy versus Art Cruz, Rick Ferreira, the referee. Don't have too many notes about this match, except for the finish. King Kong Bundy hits his avalanche, goes for the five count. Jim Ross is still learning his way with Mid-South Wrestling on TV, on air. Let's go to this audio of the Cowboy and Jim Ross. King Kong Bundy has definitely put our cruise in jeopardy with that, with that 420 pounds. Here comes the Whoa. Atlantic City Avalanche. He got him all right there. He got all of it. That's three. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't. It's five count, Jim. That's exactly five right. Five count. Now hit the bell. Five count with King Kong Bundy, not three. I know you're King new out here. King Kong, King Kong Bundy with that five count. My mistake. Most most average wrestlers go for that three count. He's certainly not average, and he got five. And we'll be back with some more exciting action. And 303-pound Crusher Darceau right after this word from the Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. Well, there it is. Jim Ross rings the bell early, and Cowboy Bill Watts lets him know that he's new out here, but that's not how we do it for these King Kong Bundy matches. Do you think JR got ripped in the back for that one? I don't know, because you know what? He had a great recovery there. Great recovery. The average match ends with a three count, but King Kong Bundy's not your average wrestler. That is a great way to recover from that. I thought either Bill Watts ripped him or said, good job recovering, or ripped him and then said, good job recovering, more than likely. Yeah, that's, that's true, too. Uh, real quick on that match, Watts does mention that JYD wants a shot at Bundy because Bundy was involved in JYD losing the North American title against Reed at the Superdome. So I thought that was important to to see, you know, we'll see where that goes. But yeah, you're right. JR ringing the bell after three and Bill's like, nope, 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 Jim. <laughs> well, coming out of that match, we get Crusher Darso or Crusher Darso, as Jim Ross keeps calling him 
versus George Weingroff, Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. I didn't have any notes really about this match other than Crusher Darso wins with his standing backbreaker. Any thoughts or notes, Mike? Watts once again brings up Weingroff's sight issues, and Watts talks about Darso just being a real powerhouse, but like you said, that's about it. Darso wins with that overhead backbreaker. Then we get our final match from the Irish McNeil Boys Club this week. Rip Rogers versus the debuting Rick Rude. Now, for those of you who remember ravishing Rick Rude, this is a young Rick Rude in regular wrestling trunks, much skinnier. I will never forget Bill Watts came up for a Dennis Carluzzo function for the Eddie Gilbert Memorial Brawl one year and was honored at the banquet. And he just started, he just started like just talking about whatever he wanted to talk about. And he goes, take Rick Rude. If he wasn't on steroids, he'd be 150 pounds. And this is Rick Rude here, noticeably skinnier than he would be a year later, let alone five years later. He was always a slim guy, even with his physique, although he filled out in WCW. But you look at his neck here, and you see how slim he is, and he's a fired-up babyface in this match. And this really goes to show how quickly the guys who trained under Eddie Sharkey infiltrated the wrestling business, so to speak. On this episode, we have the Road Warriors, Crusher Darso, and now Rick Rude. Let's hear some audio. Cowboy Bill Watts and Jim Ross talking about not only Rick Rude, but also the potential return of the one-man gang. Jim, you have me at a loss here. I know Rip Rogers. I've never seen Rick Rude. I, uh, he's a youngster. I don't know his experience level. In Robbinsdale, Minnesota, uh, there was a great one named Larry Hennig came out of there so certainly they have people with a great amateur backgrounds and they've had some top pros uh, this youngster here is yet untested and unproven here on mid-south there's been some great athletes come out of minnesota of course Vern gagne and the people wrestling fans that read the magazines have heard about Vern gagne crusher darso we just crusher saw darso is quite a hand bobby backland and there's just bits of great stars so you never know he's handling himself pretty well right now so it looks like he's going to some basic amateur not amateur but some basic scientific wrestling maneuvers the side headlock on Rip Rogers, but I'll tell you, Rip Rogers surprises a lot of people. You know, he's a he's kind of a, a cagey guy, and he's he's not the most powerful guy. He's not the biggest guy, but he's he's pretty tough. Now, if we have time, we're also going to show one of Skandar Akbar's most devastating proteges, the One Man Gang, a man six foot nine, three hundred and ninety-six pounds that people recall in short order. He injured Ernie Ladd, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And Mike George, Dick really, Murdoch. And Dick Murdoch, he was an awesome man. He's heading back toward the Mid-South area, we understand, and we can't imagine why Skandar Akbar would be bringing him. But if you put him with Kamala, what would you have in Kamala and the one-man gang against the Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw Dugan? Oh, good move there. Root almost got the ball. Well, there, Mike, we hear some audio, of course. The one-man gang potentially coming back. We'll talk about that more in a second. But Rick Rude. It's weird watching this match. It's weird watching Rick Rude, who a year later, less than a year later, would be in Memphis and would become a heel and stay that way for the remainder of his career. It's weird watching him working as a babyface here, doing babyface spots. It's just a little trippy seeing him work like this. What are your thoughts? It's very different for the reasons you just pointed out and to point out that he's, I mean, he's so young and. He's not, I don't, I don't want to give the impression that he's small here. I mean, he's, he's, def, he's got some good definition, but he's definitely smaller than you end up seeing him just, uh, you know, a couple years later when he's, when he's really ripped and cut 
especially like, I mean, he wears long tights, so it's kind of hard to see his legs in later years. But I mean, biceps, shoulders, chest, back. I mean, he's just, 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 you know, cut and I don't want to say ripped to shreds, but he definitely packs on some pounds. This is interesting because I don't remember where I saw this or heard it, but Rip Rogers somewhere was talking about this match. And uh, he was very complimentary to a young Rick Rude here, which, by the way, Rude is R-O-O-D in, in this, as they showed it on the graphic. So R-O-O-D, at least, um, well, I was going to say at least Jim and, and Bill Watts didn't do what Bill Mercer did in World Class when he debuted there. When he debuted there, they called him Rick Rudd. Um, I, I've actually got a <laughs> Mercer did. Mercer called him Rick Rudd. And it, they spelled it R-U-D-D. Uh, his first time in world class. I don't remember if they corrected it or not later on down the line, but yeah, they, they, well, obviously they corrected it, but at for, I mean, I mean, it was like 83, 84, whenever he was there uh, for a shot or two, they called him Rick Rudd at the first time you heard it. So anyway, this, uh, this match was actually not bad considering the, the, you know, how young rude is here. And again, Rip Rogers was complimentary of rude. I, I, I think it was in a Facebook group that I saw it. And I just don't remember which one where Rip, was talking about this match and, and being complimentary to Rude here. So a uh, lot covered there, especially with the Minnesota background and all the guys that are in territory now from there. But anyway, I, I, I enjoyed this. And, you know, you got to credit. Here's one last thing I want to say. You got to credit right there, Brian, uh, Rip Rogers with uh, taking a young guy and, you know, having a, a decent match with him, you know. Rick Rude ends up winning with a neckbreaker akin to the shake, rattle, and roll that the Honky Tonk Man would do, but he grabs, like, the wrong arm. So it's a little weird, it's a little awkward, even Watts calls it out, but he gets the victory. So Rick Rude, a win in his first time on Mid-South TV against the always impressive Rip Rogers. Rip was great here. Wrapping up this episode, we get a video from Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling of the one-man gang versus Mike Davis. I think it's David Crockett and Johnny Weaver putting him over strong on commentary. Bill Watts says the one-man gang due to return to Mid-South Wrestling. Any closing thoughts or notes about this episode, Mike? Gang won this match very quickly, and uh, as far as the entire episode goes, this was a lot of fun. Road Warriors, Buzz Sawyer, Rick Rude. I mean, you think about the combination of guys we saw on just this episode that uh, would end up you know, just doing various other things, especially the Road Warriors and rude uh, later on down the line. I mean, just really good stuff, man. Good little concise and tight episode. As we wrap things up, want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at great Brian last. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard podcast network on Twitter at super podcasts or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 super podcast at 605pod.com available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you, and how can they find Booking the Territory? Come give me a follow at Mike504Saints on Twitter. I oftentimes like to try to post clips of the shows that Brian and I discuss here as I have time to do so. And you can listen to Booking the Territory at tinyurl.com slash bttpod, or you can search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from, wherever you're listening to this. You can find it there as well. Uh, we are the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, as myself, Hardbody Hopper, and Doc Turner just have loads of unprofessional fun talking about old school classic wrestling. The jokes are terrible. It's not politically correct, but it's still fun to less. As of this time, we are getting into 
May of 1989 of our NWA Saturday Night on TBS recaps. Lots of lots of fun. We've gone through the Steamboat and Flare feud, and now we're starting to get into the Funk and Flare feud. So uh, lots of fun, though. Um, good stuff, though. Lots of uh, good, good, good time. So give me a follow and then come listen to the show and check us out there. Brian, this was another fun show. Looking forward to next week. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!